Skip beep it. The radio podcast. Yeah. Loud. She's loud. This Brie is loud. <laughs> oh wow. Hi, Brie. Hi, Anthony. Oh man. Um, how are you today? I'm tired. Oh, me too. Me too. Um uh, okay, hi everybody. Uh, welcome to the Review Podcast. My name's Anthony. And I'm Brie. And this is a podcast in which we review movies. Then we review movies. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. We pick a movie that one of us has seen at least one time and we watch it. And we talk about it. And I don't know, some other shit too. Um, so thank you for tuning in. We took a couple weeks off because, you know, life uh, gets in the way. And we decided uh, the hell with um, the actor <laughs> series that we were doing. Oh, what is that? Um, uh, keep, keep talking. The hell with uh, Meryl Streep and um, what's his face? um adam sandler adam sandler we're, we're done we're 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 in the the burr months right now september october november december the burr months it's halloween time we are getting into some creepy movies now because you know i was we didn't know what i was going to do for the last movie of my meryl thing and i really didn't want to watch uncut gems again do you re- do and, <laughs> and we were just like you know what just scrap it just do you, scrap it uh remember watching i think you should leave and there was a sketch about a baby of the year with sam uh oh god uh what's his name sam richardson um presenting baby of the year and there's a there's a line that he says in the move in the show where he's like this is dump dump it this is trash <laughs> <laughs> trash it this one's garbage <laughs> That's how I felt about like the last series, or I was like, the, when we were trying to decide the last two movies, of the dump, it. Street, <laughs> dump it. This one's garbage. <laughs> I just, I, I mean, of course, Meryl Streep is good, but we like, and Adam Sandler, good in his own right. But I didn't want to have to pick a movie, and I didn't really want to watch Uncut. So Gems this was again. kind of a, um, a good thing for both of us because, quite honestly, I didn't feel like I wanted to watch uh, an- another Meryl Streep movie. No offense to Meryl, um, but. I don't know. We, I, I was just getting and I really. Didn't, I didn't really want to watch Uncut Gems again. I was getting real burnt out um, of like not scary movies. I guess. Well, because scary movies are fun, and I think we were watching movies that n- weren't really fun for us to watch. Like we're watching movies just to try to be diverse in what movies we watch, and I think that. We decided to scrap the last two movies of the series, take a little more of an extended break, and come up with a better idea. And there were a few ideas that we were floating around. Um, we thought about movies based on books, but that was a little too broad. Um, I, I had the idea of um, uh, movies that should have won the Best Picture Academy Award. And like I, I had thought about watching Room. I had thought about watching... Um, I don't know, some other movies. I, the Room was on my mind at the time when we were thinking. Though Not The Room. Room. Um, not Tom, Tommy Wiseau's room, The Room. Um, but Sam Levinson's. I think it's Sam Levinson. No, different guy. Um, Brie Larson. We'll say Brie Larson's Room. Um, and I thought about that. And I couldn't. I, I didn't think it would be as fun. And I also knew that Halloween is it's right the around Burmans. the corner. It's the Burr months, Anthony. September, October, November, December, Burr months. Yeah, it's the Burr months. So I want. I knew for like 
fall, I wanted to do a, a horror franchise. Now it was about trying to decide what horror franchise we wanted to do. Uh, well, we could do Friday the 13th, except there's like a bajillion of those movies and they're all kind of the same. So I didn't think Friday the 13th was Shut good. Shut your ho mouth. You didn't think Friday the 13th would be a good one. No, I thought Friday the 13th would be a good one. It's just there's so many of them that we would either have to skip movies or we'd be devoting the next six months of our lives to watching the Friday the 13th franchise, which I didn't know if I was prepared to do. Um, but then I thought about the I, I've been wanting to rewatch some of those early movies from director Mamoru Hosoda. Um, the Girl Who Leapt Through Time, Summer Wars, Wolf Children. I haven't seen The Boy and the Beast. I haven't seen uh, Belle, but um, I, I wanted to kind of catch up on the Mama that hosted a train. And I, I told Brie, I was like, ooh, Brie, what about the works of Mama da Hosoda? And Brie said, no. <laughs> First, you were like, who? Who? No. <laughs> And I was like, "Is anime director? He is very good." Not very that good. I don't like anime. Don't get the go, don't get me wrong. I just but you watch Wolf Children. You liked yeah, it, you know. I just I was trying to explain to Anthony. I was like, with school starting back up, we need something. I I am like running on empty with like creative juices and stuff like that. Like. All my energy is going into work. I think we burned ourselves out a little bit doing the director's series and doing, um, like, Paul Thomas Anderson was very uh, Oh, I think that was dry. Killed, I think that's you what know? killed it for me. I think Tim Burton was fun. Yeah. Uh, I think Adam Sandler was getting old after a while. I he think plays the Meryl, same uh, these Meryl, the Meryl movies aren't my cup of tea. I did like Devil Wears Prada a lot, but... Um, I think I, I burned myself out with It's Complicated just because it was a movie that I wasn't really... Pre, my relationship with It's Complicated, guess what it is? What? It's complicated. complicated. It's complicated. Um, but we started to think of different uh, facets of themes that we wanted to do. And so we thought about Academy Awards. We thought about... Um, Mamada Hosoda, we thought about movies based on books, we thought about box office flops, but we couldn't narrow down what that meant. And then I told Brie, I was like, well, for how, because Chucky is coming back for a second season in October. Yay! And Brie and I watched the, the trailer for it just recently, and we got really hyped on it. And I was like, man, the Child's Play franchise is so bonkers, bananas, Looney Tunes wild. You know you that... gotta say it. I say it every time. When I want to say something that's crazy, I go, it is bonkers, bananas, pajamas. Bonkers, bananas, pajamas. And speaking of pajamas, what about Andy's pajamas in this movie? Uh, we'll talk about that later. But we were thinking about it and I, I said, man, the Child's Play franchise gets off the rails so hard, more than any other franchise of a horror genre that I've ever seen. Wouldn't it be so much fun to rewatch these movies? And we did rewatch these movies like at around this time last year, didn't we? I think because we were watching Your Sister's Dogs and I think we were just finishing the last couple of movies in the franchise, but... 
I remember rewatching these last year, but for some reason, like, I don't know, they just didn't stick in my memory as much. So I thought it might be fun to do for Halloween this year, or leading into Halloween, the Child's Play franchise. The seven, I think there's seven movies in the Child's Play franchise, including, not including the remake, which I'm not sure. Well, do, do you want to cover it? Do you want to do the remake? I mean, we could. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But definitely from now until I think this is going to take us into um, the end of October or maybe early November because we're going to cut it in between with Halloween ends because that comes out in the middle of October. But I think what we're going to do is uh, Child's Play 1, 2, 3, Bride of Chucky, Seed of Chucky, Cult of Chucky. No, Curse of Chucky, and then Cult of Chucky. And then we discussed uh, Unsure right now, non-confirmed. Unsure if we want to do the remake, the Child's Play remake from 2019. And we had talked about maybe doing something in regards to the show as well, the Chucky TV show. We don't know if we want to do it like in group episodes together and do podcasts based on groups or just watch the whole thing again and do one. Podcast. Exactly. But cause I don't want to spoil season two, like as it's going on, but we would definitely uh, go through season one for sure because the show is freaking phenomenal. Like I just remember being so impressed by the show and like how legitimately f- like fun and good it was and how they, I was telling Brie, I think they finally found their balance in that show of, uh, like, serious and comic, you know? I, I think we finally found our balance after trying after struggling with it for so long in the franchise. And even this movie, I, the first one, Child's Play, which we're covering today on the podcast, uh, 1988 Child's Play, I think even this movie kind of struggles a little bit with that fine line between serious horror and thriller and okay this is going to be a funny horror movie you know what i mean mm-hmm. i'm excited to get into this one because i mean this is the scary movie you see first i feel like at child's least, play at least this is okay the, well before this we is the movie into... that terrified me in my childhood yeah so before we get into my like, sister had a baby alive um Baby Alive? My sister had a baby alive when we were younger. Okay, I was just about to ask you. Where, like, the skin, like, it feels like real skin, and it, like, talks. Every night before bed, I took the baby alive, put it downstairs, and locked (laughs) the door of the room it was in, and went back upstairs into our room that we shared together. Did you ever find a situation where the baby alive would show back up inside the room? No, because it was a real doll, and my fears were unfounded based on a movie that my dad should never have been watching with me in the room it's a real doll but it has like it it pees right like if you feed it it'll piss and it poops and it poops yeah wow so you really had to take care of a a A baby baby alive a baby so real is that was that the song yeah i i remember baby alive i don't remember Everything that came with baby alive baby alive i mean the poo and the pee hole is the same it just changed based on what you fed it the poo hole? <laughs> no. Like if you fed it green stuff, it was oh, poo. If okay. you fed it yellow stuff, it was pee. Oh, see, like I thought you were like no. the poo hole changes shape. Shut up. Okay. <laughs> um no, so I I guess 
we could BS in a minute about like what we've been doing for the past two weeks as we've been gone. But um, I want to ask, I wanted to ask you what your origin story is kind of with this movie. Cause I think we all have stories about child's play or like the mythos of child's play. Steve, my <laughs> father <laughs> watching scary movies in the front room. Wow, I'm existing. I could just totally see your dad, too, like, trying to deliberately fuck with you about it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Then my friend... What, at what age did you see the movie first? Too young. Too young. Okay. Where you didn't see the whole thing through because it was scary. The first time I, like, middle school is, like, when I, like, sat down and I watched all of them. That was about the them. same with me, yeah. Um, I watched them in my at my friend Brittany's apartment. We watched all of them because she had, like, the set. Want from one to seed? No. Well, yeah. One. No. One. That's five movies. No, I think it was just to bride. Okay, seed might not have come out yet. So we would watch it. We watched it together, and she's obsessed. She was obsessed. Oh, I know. She loves the Chucky movies like so 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 much. And has she watched the show? Have you asked her about that? Probably not because. It's on a streaming service. Yeah, and she doesn't mess with streaming services yeah. that much. But um, honestly, uh, that was my first like real dive into it. Scare it scared me. It scared me as a kid. It scared me. So, as, so a, did I. as a yeah. teen going in middle school, scared me as a teen. I mean, now Brie, you hit your eyes and are current watching well, of this okay. movie. I, I talk about how this movie does such a great job of suspense that even though I've seen this movie for like a million times over i still like i'm like oh my gosh the the tension building i just have so where much you know to say. you're just like waiting you're waiting for the first half of the when we can get into that in a minute but um my experience with this movie i think goes back to my experience with horror movies in general is like my dad used to scare the ever-loving poop out of me with Michael Myers and Halloween. I hated the mask. I hated the music. And I kind of blame him a little bit for sparking my love of horror movies, especially like uh, these big franchise names like Freddy, Jason, Michael, Chucky. Um, because it was like, that was the 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 light that sparked... What is that the phrase I'm using? Am I using that right, Brie? The match that sparked the light? No. The The spark that ignited the flame. I don't know what you're saying. (laughs) (laughs) The spark that ignited the flame of my love of horror movies. Because it was like through that trauma... <laughs> I was like through that trauma where I was like, mm, I might want to do this to my kids someday. Yeah, yeah. And Anthony, that's terrible. No, no, not like uh, to that extent. But want to learn about horror movies and kind of overcome my fear of them by exposing myself to them. Um, and that's something that I've thought about. It's like, man, I can't wait to gush over like not only horror, but just movies in general with my future kid. And it's like I. Like, what age do you think it is appropriate to watch, like, a Halloween? I'm not so sure. I know the little boy in my class, a first grader, has seen it. This kid, by the way, wish was my son. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, he he struggles with the alphabet, and it's his uh, 
been with me for can't even another, read. another year <laughs> but he like he's obsessed with horror movies he has a michael myers little like keychain on his bag oh that's cool and i'm like what a cool kid i said you can't show anybody that but that's really freaking cool kid <laughs> <laughs> well i'm looking at like my water bottle right now and i've got the michael myers and the camp crystal lake but sticker. i'm like the, the kid's cool like he's cool but also not developmentally appropriate for like a seven-year-old but super cool kid. is there a right way to show a movie like that to a young child i don't know it depends on the maturity of the child i feel mm -hmm. this child is definitely not mature enough to have seen that stuff um i i don't think i was mature enough to see that stuff and i don't know i turned out pretty okay I guess. I would like to... I just, to, like, really love gushing over these I movies. I would beg to differ that Anthony is a, a well-adjusted adult. He's not. Um, he has many issues, as do I. Um, we are not good products <laughs> of our parents. Um, I am the product of years and years of trauma. And, um, yeah, I feel like... Everything I'm not made me everything yeah, I am. Yeah, everything I'm not made me everything I didn't grow up in a stable household, but I'm stable in a stable relationship. Everything that I didn't have growing up is what I tried and pursued in my adulthood. So... Yeah, I think we often think back to that. I mean, we're on a completely different subject now, but... Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're opening tabs, and we'll close them as we get back to child's play, but... Um, I think everybody kind of goes through that of... So, we were talking about this on a walk one day when we were walking the dog. We also talk about this all the time because... That it's like... I'm dealing with, like, stuff. Anthony's dealing with stuff. We we just like to like shoot the shit sometimes. You, when a kid goes through, like, a traumatic experience with family, like, say their parent... I was going to say parental unit. <laughs> say their parental unit is... Um, I don't know, abusive to, you know, their mom or something. And you, that, that kid can walk away growing up to do one of two things, be that or be the opposite of that. And, um, which I hope. I you hope turn people to be do the opposite. the opposite of that. <laughs> but and I think that we But oftentimes about it, like we're a product of our trauma. And we we talked about this on our walk because uh, like I work in a Title 1 school. There's obviously students who experience homelessness and food insecurity and abuse and neglect. And there are kids like that in every school district, but especially, you know, in like lower income areas we see it a lot more often and i was talking about like the way some of these children talk i know how their parents talk at home mm -hmm. because well yeah the the sometimes the vitriol coming out of their mouth is not who they are it's just what they've they're used to well kids are also like products of the environment that they grow up in because they can't really think for them Selves and uh, I shouldn't say it, in um, uh, critical ways. And you know I what think I mean? One of my like sacred duties of my profession is just to make school such a loving place that even if you have those negative factors, like there's no way you could be mean in my room. I talk using a hand puppet in my Elmo voice. Please don't do it. <laughs> 
please. I won't. I won't. <laughs> but I was telling, I was telling Anthony today. I was like, today for the entire math lesson, I put a hand puppet on my hand, and I talked in my Elmo voice, and the kids were having a blast. And one kid said, "I'm so glad I'm in this class." That's nice. And I was like, I'm almost in tears talking about it because I'm doing a lot of stuff differently. I've learned so much in like the, like, this is my fifth year. In the four years leading up to this year, it feels like now I can do everything I've ever learned and make this group of kids have the best experience possible that I could do at this time. Like, it's the second week of school and they're doing centers. They're rotating around the room. They're doing that for like an hour where they're working where for 45 minutes of that hour. They're working by themselves. I'm not working with them. I work for them for 15 minutes out of the hour. Mm-hmm. And they are like literally working by themselves for the rest of the time. I And to kind of piggyback off you, I've got to gush a little bit about my beginning of the school year too because i don't think we have talked to the podcast audience since oh, yeah, I'm we like both have started crying yeah oh, she's God. crying in the club right now um i gotta gush a little bit about my students oh, that my eye makeup and it took me a long time to do it i i struggled so much last year with behavioral issues with my freshman class and um across the board all of my classes this year are are so good and um I don't quite know why that is, <laughs> but I'm not going to question it and I'm not going to take it for granted. My freshmen, I only have like uh, a couple of like one section of, of that class, but it's something where I'm not dealing with behavioral issues and I'm hammering in rules and like um, standards of the class so much that they're having an enjoyable time in the class, like just having talks with me and they're still following my rules, which is like perfect. Um, and then my seniors are so great too, because we've, uh, and shout out to the seniors that are listening to this right now. I know they found the podcast. Hi children. Um, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to brag about y'all for a minute. Um, my seniors are so great and it's not just because we split up the honors in the AP course. So I have like two honors and one AP and across the board, all of these students are phenomenal. Um, the AP ones, you know, they're the AP ones and I gave them a practice test and they exceeded my expectations on a preliminary diagnostic of a practice AP test. And, um, I was like shocked when I saw all those scores. So, <laughs> They're great, and the discussion in those classes are so 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 critical. I would, and I would awesome. also like to thank all the seniors for not making this man pull his hair out this year because <laughs> I swear, like last year, he cares. He, he cares so much about you, like so much about you, and like we like teachers care so much about you and your success and you being like a functioning member of society and like going on to do great things and he knows you can do great things and that's why he pushes you and he wants you to be your best i'm i'm, I'm as i tell my seniors i told them today i'm like there's a method to my madness there uh, it's tough love to an extent and he's so um, proud of you he might not say it enough but like he brags on you every day when he gets home <laughs> And not just the AP class, like the honors no, seniors and the honors seniors, so good. The good. Uh, they're a little quiet. He even right brags now, on his on his um, freshmen sometimes, but like most of the time they grind his gears. But 
you know, you're learning. You're you're becoming yeah. you're becoming human. Um, a but, lot of a lot of those seniors um, in the honors course are so proactive with like we're doing quarter research essays and they're they're very proactive about getting their topics and practicing APA style citations, which I try to hammer in. And I appreciate that. Um, as a teacher, like I appreciate when you try and you talk to me. That's his favorite thing. If you do that, it's going. I, listen, I don't, I don't expect my actual, <laughs> actually here. my quote today. So I do a quote of the day with my first graders. Today's quote is mistakes is proof that you're trying mm -hmm. because I tell them, I'm like, if you turn into something and it's wrong, I'm a lot more forgiving. If you don't turn in anything at all. I'm not as forgiving. So I tell my students, I'm like, you just got to talk to me when things, things are happening so that I can work with you. I'm just asking you to turn your work in. Yeah. I'm not asking for it to be perfect. I tell the first graders, I said, you do your, if you are at home and you don't have an adult to do, help you with your homework and you're doing your homework on your own, of course it's going to be, some of it's going to be wrong. Mm -hmm. Of course. I was like, do I, I'm like, I do not take off. Well, I don't, but you do. I was like, I don't take points off for wrong answers. I take off. Points no, I if, do. Yeah. I'm like, I take off points if you don't do something completely. I had a kid last year get 50% on every single homework assignment because she just did not do the back. Mm -hmm. And I would say, Hey, and I would email home. Hey, there's two sides to the homework. It's double sided. You just got to turn the page over. There's more on the other side. Yeah. And I, um, I, I have told my students today because I graded, um, we do like an article analysis once in a while with the, the honors, a, uh, a, not so much the AP course, but the honors government course. And um, I, I gave them an article about how Enlightenment era thinkers influenced the founding of the country. So people like Locke, Hobbes, Montesquieu, and all of those ideas of the social contract, the state of nature, the separation of powers, things like that, all influence the uh, founding of, of the country, basically. And I, I gave them a couple different prom prompts for the article analysis. And I, I told them, I was like, you know, you didn't have to be perfect with your citations here, like citing in text and APA style. I just wanted to see that you were trying. So like, I didn't take off points if it was wrong. I yes. corrected you, <laughs> but I did take off points for those people that I didn't see any APA citations because you weren't trying. Um, I did tell them though, like you can screw up now and be okay. But by like November or something, when we're practicing and practicing and practicing, like that's what I'm going to expect APA to be like, solid and hammered out and but he will let you like i did tell my students about this today that i remember a few years ago i caught a couple of students on a google chat talking about me and my class and i caught one of them they were talking about apa style citations and i saw one of them say uh you know uh mr you know blah is, I don't want to say my last name, but Mr. Bleh is uh, bitchy about, can get bitchy about citations. And I was like, I didn't yell or like get mad or anything because I was like, it's true. I do get bitchy about citations because I want you to also, do them because right. trust me as like, and trust him as well as we are like, I've completed my master's degree. He, your teacher is working on your master's degree. I mean, like he's working on it. He's going to be graduating soon. APA 
It's the most important it's thing. It's the most important thing. And professors, after their fir- your first introductory course, will not go over it with you again. And they'll just expect that you know how to do it. Mm-hmm. And the expectation is there from like, as soon as they tell you about it, they'll be like, this is APA, APA 7th edition. Make sure you know APA 7th edition. And I've got your book in my classroom, by the way. Yeah, you should pay me for it. Well, I use it. <laughs> Root. I mean, I'm done with my grad school. Um, wait until I'm doctor um, in a couple of years time. Doctor, do I have gills? Yes. I'm sorry. My feet hurt really bad because I wore boots around school today and I don't sit down. So my feet hurt. I said, you think your teacher works hard. I don't sit down all day. <laughs> my, my feet reek. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Because I work, I don't eat lunch, and I work straight through lunch. So an hour where I would be I sitting. I also don't eat lunch. So. I, the hour where I'd be, like, sitting down relaxing, I'm, like, in the lunchroom doing duty for kindergarten and first grade lunch. And I don't sit down. Actually, I don't think I sat down once today. Mm-hmm. My knees hurt. <laughs> Buckling. My ankles <laughs> Hurt. I wore boots today. I'm such a donut. Why would I do, donut? Why would I do that when I know I was going to stand all day? Tomorrow I will have a break for 40 minutes while the kids go to art. But other than that, I don't have a break. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna close our tabs. Okay, a close little them bit, out. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to what we were talking about past history with child's play. I don't even know where I left off in this story, but I remember remember watching this movie by my grandma's house for the first time because I I had known on my dad's side. Of course, because she probably wasn't (laughs) watching you. (laughs) And um, I remember watching, it was like right before Halloween, I brought a bunch of like DVDs of scary movies. I'm like, I'm going to watch all these movies because it's Halloween and I'm brave. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um so i remember watching he it. was definitely not brave no i watched it and i was completely fine and i enjoyed it and then when i had to go to bed i remember putting the covers he over my head not brave. And i was so scared <laughs> i was like chucky's out there and uh it's like this irrational fear of like there's something if i turn around something's gonna be right there like if I switch sides on the bed, I still the thing that. that's behind I still me. Ha- I still get that feeling sometimes, and I'm an adult, so I, I can't blame you. I I get that often when sometimes I get a bad. I'm gonna tell you this, Brian. It's gonna freak you out. Okay. Sometimes I get vibes in this house, and I know it's not haunted because we went around with a spirit box, but. And we would know by now if the house was like truly haunted. But sometimes I get, it just gets scary. I get in the spooked dark. when I'm I'm by myself. Yeah. And I I I will I take it back to one night where I was just chilling. It was by myself, and there was like a loud crash, and I almost pooped myself. What was it? It was the light. Oh yeah, it I remember fell you from the ceiling, mm-hmm. and I said, I texted you right away. I was like, "Are you okay?" I think I was at the bar. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, are you okay? I was like, something just happened. And I, I didn't know if it was like the universe trying to tell me that something bad happened to you. Yeah. Um, that was I, just the witch I don't in know, me. Like, like what's some, going on? Sometimes I just get like these vibes in the house. Like when we're going to sleep and it's quiet and it's dark. 
And that's why it's like nice to have the TV on going to sleep because oh, you can, have something I, there. I can only sleep with the TV on. But I've always kind of been that way. And I especially remember it after I watched Child's Play for the first time that I had this like irrational fear that something was like at the foot of my bed or like on the side of the bed. And not, obviously nothing's there. But it was like I put my head under the covers. And I'm like, no, if I fucking leave these covers, like I'm dying. I'm dying. I'm done. And... <laughs> It's so irrational. We all know that under the covers, the monsters can't they, get they there. They can't get you. It's the safest place. Um, I don't know how old I was. Maybe nine. Are you kidding? You were, it was last week. Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that's like my first major like exposure to Child's Play. Like, I would remember watching snippets of Child's Play 2, 3, Bride of Chucky, like just on TV, like it'd be on like I don't know TNT or something, and I remember like catching snippets of it. Like I remember very vividly the carnival sequence in Child's Play Three. I remember very vividly Chucky and Tiffany being in the RV in Bride of Chucky because I remember catching those scenes so often on tv just like randomly but never like paying attention to it and kai i don't know if anybody can hear this kaido sees probably another dog across the street and is whining about it so so that we're just gonna let him go kaido i apologize we had to um stop the I'm podcast keep, i'm gonna keep that in there of you going kaido <laughs> I, I have to apologize he was just getting so loud he's now in here with us yeah, he's i chilling. think he's telling mom and dad get to the actual meat and potatoes of this podcast uh, we're getting there we have we have to close our tabs i know but he's like come on mom and dad it's time for cuddling on the couch watching pimples what am i gonna get my how am i gonna get my halloween stuff <laughs> you think i'm gonna get my cuddles on the couch really <laughs> he's like i need cuddles on the couch mom how am i supposed to get my halloween stuff <laughs> <laughs> so okay um why don't we get into it uh, uh, uh when do i i know i know I, I do that all the time when i like want to bring up something but like I, I begin without thinking about how to bring it up, and then I pause for a second, and I try to bring it up in a different way. a brain, my guy. <laughs> Hang on, I'm growing a brain. <laughs> 6,000 years later. Okay, um, Child's Play, directed by, um, and it's not who you think, um, directed by Tom Holland. Not to be confused. <laughs> it's not Spider-Man. Not Spider-Man. <laughs> Tom Holland, um, he is best known for writing um, Psycho 2 and directing Stephen King's Thinner as well as um, Fright Night too, which has a lot of like cult following to it. Tom Holland uh, wrote the movie. It has got three people that are credited as writers on the movie including himself tom holland and uh john laffia and kind of our uh godfather to the child's play franchise who we're going to talk about a lot not only in this episode but in future episodes as well especially when we get to bride and seed when he starts taking over the franchise is don mancini um, and I believe Don Mancini wrote the movie when he was 21 years old. So quite young 
to be uh, writing this movie. A uh, movie comes out in 1988. It's produced by MGM um, and UA. It has a budget of somewhere between nine and thirteen million dollars. And Brie, guess how much it grosses in the box office? A lot. How, well, give me a number. Like fifty. Oh, you're close. Forty-four million dollars. So in 1988, quite the success. Um, and originally the movie That's was like bajillions of dollars for them. <laughs> yeah. Originally the movie was conceived in a couple of different ideas. And we were talking about this yesterday as I was kind of finding out some of the trivia. Initially, Don Mancini wrote the movie and he calls it batteries, not included, but realizes that terrible title. Well, he realizes Steven Spielberg's coming out with a movie with the same title. So he has to change the title. And then he calls it, uh, I think blood buddy was the, the other name for the movie. And it was originally going to have an entirely different, uh, uh, plot premise to it. Initially, Chucky was going to be um, a doll that was supposed to be similar to Baby Alive that had blood in it. So it was supposed to teach children how to like take care of a, a, a like another person because if you don't, it could bleed, and then you know you see the consequences of that. But then Andy would have done, the kid Andy would have done something where he mixes his blood with the blood in the doll and the doll becomes alive and kind of starts killing on behalf of Andy. Because I, I think it's pretty safe to say, and obviously we don't know Don Mancini, but Don Mancini growing up as kind of an outcast uh, in his world, he grows up um, and he, he, you know, he's a gay man, uh, grows up in a single parent household um and he writes himself in a lot of these movies especially when we get to bride and seed and so on but there's a lot in the movie that is reminiscent of what uh a lot of people think don mancini's uh growing up had been like with the single mother feeling like the neglect feeling like the um uh different attributes of that. And that was supposed to be more reflective in his original script of Andy having signs of neglect and uh, pain and almost like rage and Chucky being that force that kind of acts on Andy's behalf as his uh, feelings that he hides deep down, which would have been a really, really well, interesting and We talked about concept. how... Like how the new, the remake kind of plays on that. Yeah, and it does. And where when I was thinking about Chucky it, Chucky does go work on behalf of Andy to keep and Andy safe is is the thing and that. But it's very similar in the remake. So initially, like MGM produces this movie, and then I think they lose the rights to Universal. So Universal comes out with all the other movies, but MGM still owns like the brand name child's play so they produce the remake in 2019 without don mancini and without universal so it's entirely possible that they just kind of took that original script that mancini wrote and just like revised it to be a little bit more modern day you know what i mean mm -hmm. um because that that's kind of what it seems like happened with the remake and we can talk about that more if we do cover the remake but I don't know. I would have loved to see that movie. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, I that would have been a cool idea. Sorry, dogs being a freaking weirdo. What was he licking the wall? Yep. What a weirdo. What a weirdo. So he uh, comes up with this idea, and then for whatever reason, they start changing it to everything that has to do with voodoo. Serial killer, voodoo, putting his soul into the body of a doll, and trying to get back to being human. Um, now, the, the lore surrounding Chucky is very much based in the voodoo stuff. So... It's hard to imagine where the Child's Play franchise could have gone if they didn't do the voodoo stuff. And it's kind of an interesting thought, Brie. It is an interesting thought. She nods her head like we can see her on <laughs> the podcast. I'm sorry, everybody. My knees are killing me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm starting to get the feeling of ouchie, ouchie, ouchie. Ouchie, ouchie, ouchie. Yep. Okay, why don't we get into it? Okay, so we open up. It is a nighttime, and we... <laughs> <laughs> Exterior, dark. Nighttime. <laughs> um, we have um, Charles Lee Ray. Played by the wonderful Brad Dourif. Being pursued by a police officer, played by, I don't freaking know. Uh, Chris Sarandon, who is Susan Sarandon's ex-husband, and she kept his name. Um, it's a good last what, name. What a power move on her part. No, BT-dub. actually a lot of, if you've been married for a long time, a lot of the time women will keep but like, honestly, the last name. Even though she might have not uh, intended it to be that way, what a power move to take his last name and then get famous after the fact. So now nobody remembers him, but Everyone everybody knows Susan you. Sarandon. Um, anyway, so pursuing him, uh, he gets shot. Um, unfortunately. And I love, okay, so Brad Dourif has been voicing Chucky for like ever, every single iteration aside from the remake and mistake, me remake mistake. He gets like, he just gets so much better as the franchise goes on. The more I think about it, because it's like, you can tell he's young in this movie and obviously in the TV show, you can tell like his voice is aged a bit, but God damn, it's not a Chucky movie if you don't get that, like, blood-curdling Brad Dourif screech. <laughs> well, no, not the laugh, but the... Because, <laughs> like, it's so definitive of Chucky is that when Chucky gets shot or Chucky gets his arm blown off or something, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, so he gets shot, then he goes into the... And his getaway driver, he, he drives away. Eddie Caputo. And um, to try to save his own butt. And um, Charles get, goes into this toy store. It's kind of like a shootout between him and the cop. The cop gets him like in the chesticle. And he's like, I'm dying. He's like, I'm dying. I need a body. He keeps saying, I need a body. He doesn't find a body, but he finds a doll. And he does his voodoo stuff. Do you know the chant? Um, n- I don't want to butcher it. Awe do we dembala. Give, Give me, me the, the power, power I beg of you. Um, <laughs> it's not a Chucky movie unless he says that exact chant. <laughs> um, he vows revenge on both Caputo and the cop who um, shot him. And uh, lightning strikes. The whole store blows up. The whole store blows up. The entire store, store blows, up blows up in dramatic fashion, and which Chucky does. 
he successfully does the ritual later on in the series, no lightning strike. Uh-huh. Answer then, me that, Don um, Mancini. Also, also, he does this same ritual like a bajillion times in like the series. No lightning strike. No lightning strike. Okay, uh, we're going to get into the rules of the voodoo stuff in this because some of it didn't line up for me. And especially when we get deeper into the franchise, like I know that they uh, uh, step on themselves, so to speak, when it comes to the voodoo rules, and they don't necessarily... F- I remember when we watched the he franchise... the attention span of a gnat. I remember when we watched the franchise last year, and we tried to nail down the rules. Do you remember that? Yes. When we were trying to be like, okay, so this is a rule, this is a rule, this is a rule. If he can do this, why can't he do that? And like, I guess I'm excited to get into the franchise a bit more too to see how they do step on themselves in the expansion of these rules for the voodoo because i was telling you yesterday they are very clear in this movie and very specific about the rules of voodoo right we were like (laughs) it has to be the first person you told it can't be like anyone else like the longer you spend in the the body the more human you become uh like the ritual you have to say this chant um, like a lot you have to say the chant a lot anyway so after the place blows up we cut to the kid um andy andy barkley and he's he's by himself he's up by himself he's pouring himself cereal he's watching the good guy tv show i gotta stop you for a second he's making toast and he's doing all of it fucking terribly this kid butchers the <laughs> fuck out of breakfast and it's laughable how much he butchers it he but bu- it's also like reminiscent of this is a kid who is like almost fending for himself because mom is overworked and tired sleeping in and it's his birthday and mom's sleeping in so but he made can her I, can I, breakfast on his birthday he made her breakfast he burns the ever-loving crap out of the toast a big like honking spoonful of butter on one slice it, no it's ice cream he put ice cream on it no it was it was margarine dude that was not margarine it was that mar- was ice cream. no that was margarine i took that as vanilla ice anthony, cream anthony it is margarine <laughs> <laughs> he took a big soup of margarine and he put it on there i would have rather have been ice cream <laughs> right it was margarine so did you wonder why the ice cream wasn't melting and it was just like gloop well, no, I just figured it's a movie. And no, it was margarine. That's so, why. <laughs> so did you notice the cereal, too, in the movie? Oh, yeah. It has little good guy, like guy figures. These in are it. huge, like, <laughs> figures. These <laughs> huge, like, butterflies inside of um, the cereal. It's like, that's not how cereal how is made. How are kids supposed to how eat this? How are you supposed to eat this shit? And it's so obviously like a mix of different cereals too, with like those giant pieces lodged in there, so that the the uh, they didn't have to like say we put Captain Crunch in here. Um, but he makes this like terrible bug. Oh, Andy's also wearing um the good guy, the good guy pajamas. Yeah, and he sees there's two presents over by the window. There's a big box and there's a small box, and he's hoping the big box is just big enough for a good guy doll. He really, 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 really wants a good guy doll. Can I bring up the cartoon? Sure. So the cartoon Mm -hmm. that was made for that split second was made by like a legit cartoon company. I can't remember the name of it, but it looks like Care Bears, you know, 
It looks like a cartoon you would see in the 80s. And it brings me to this thought because I know like what Don Mancini was trying to do with his like original iteration of Child's Play, which was to have like a commentary on 80s consumerism and the fact that if you really think about it in the late 80s and the early 90s, there were a lot of like toys there were a lot Shut of cartoons up. I for love toys. me a Furby. I love me a Care Bear. I love me a Cabbage Patch. I love them. There were a lot of toys. There were a lot of cartoons Trolls, based on toys. Smurfs. Like you're trying to market these and like sell the toys in any which way you can. What was, let me ask you, what was your favorite toy? Because we grew up in a different era, but what was your favorite toy? My favorite toy? Yeah. <laughs> of all time. Of all time. When I was younger, I had so many Tamagotchis. <laughs> oh my god, David. <laughs> you gave me... You killed all my Tamagotchis? This is like, there were six of them, David. <laughs> they were You left me full, with six full-grown full grown Tamagotchis. Tamagotchis. <laughs> uh, so you loved your Tamagotchis. I, I, but you did, but I got in trouble because in third grade, I took my Tamagotchi to school because I didn't want it to die. But it made noise when it was in my pencil case. Like it was hungry? Yes. And I was like, you fucking tattler. <laughs> my teacher was like, give me the Tamagotchi. Bree, did you, did you bring a Tamagotchi to school? I did. You have to leave it at home. I was like, but it's going to die. <laughs> but like, I hear these stories all the time of people that like were kids in the late 80s, early 90s that would like absolutely lose their shit for the newest G.I. Joe. Or Have you ever had a Furby? I know of Furbies. I never. You had never a had a Furby? No, I never got into oh Furby. Oh my gosh, craze. Furbies! We had tons of Furbies at my house. We also had troll dolls. Mm-hmm. I, I know trolls. I also like. I have like an older brother and older sister, and my brother was born in the eighties. Mm-hmm. So, I I mean, and so we, was my sister. Both my si older siblings were born in the eighties. We grew up in a different era where, like, our version of a good guy doll was the newest playstation game or you, you know for me it was Yu-Gi-Oh cards i i beg to differ because um you love toys i was poor what are you a baby i was poor anthony <laughs> i had the playstation you one know, if you play with the doink it it means you're a baby <laughs> i had a playstation one growing up we were poor yeah well i mean i had a we, playstation i one. had a cabbage patch doll and a tamagotchi I guess we just, like, maybe I just grew up in a different yeah. era that was, like, my version of a good guy doll was getting the new pack of Yu-Gi-Oh cards and, like, building my deck. Um, like, my, my, th like, you get, like, in the 80s, Care Bears, G.I. Joe, Transformers, like, all these things, cartoons that are based on toys. Yu-Gi-Oh, based on a children's card game that I play to this day, but... Nerd. Yeah, well, uh, Digimon. I was into the. Digi I'm still into. I'm playing oh God, Digimon Survive playing, right now. He's playing Digimon. He's playing I bought one Digimon time Survive, through. and I've been playing it nonstop for like the past month. Um, but it's like different, I guess, with us and and maybe how we grew up. Like you had a Cabbage Patch doll, but they were maybe growing a little bit out of fad in that <sighs> time period when we were kids. Um. The good guy doll, the Chucky doll, is based on a number of different things. Brie, it's based on a Teddy Ruxpin. It's based on Cabbage Patch dolls. And it's based on the My Buddy doll. Have you ever seen a picture of the My Buddy doll? No, I'm, I'm going to pull Google it up. It. I'll Google, I'll Google it, right it right now. And you'll see, like, how it, it much that influenced the Chucky doll. 
She's looking it up. Something's terrifying. Things terrifying. It's absolutely it's like terrifying. It's like the same thing. Because it like moves its eyes and everybody lost their shit because like the doll can move its eyes with you. And like I think that's where Don Mancini kind of gets the inspiration for his original iteration of this movie where we're trying to com- have a commentary more on 80s era consumerism and how uh, children are influenced by consumerism and uh, all, all that good stuff, you know. So I had a remark on the TV show that Andy is watching about the good guy doll. Like we are establishing here this wider world where good guy dolls are really, really freaking popular and they're quite hard to get. They're expensive. The, uh, 80s expensive. I don't know no, how. They're $100. That's expensive. For in- a doll? For, yeah. I, well, I mean, we were just looking at build the. That's like yeah. equivalent to like an American Girl doll. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much those go but for he, nowadays. But okay, and then I got to talk about Andy's family's. He's is in a single mother household, and they live in freaking ma- mansion. Mom is allegedly strapped for cash that she's like almost unwilling to pay thirty dollars for the counterfeit doll, and yet they live in like such a nice apartment in downtown Chicago. It's, like, really nice. Holy moly. I mean, the building is not nice, but, like, the apartment itself is really nice. It's super nice. Like, it took me out of the movie almost to be, like, I cannot think that this is a single mom that is strapped for cash when she's living in this. When, like, Anthony and I lived in practically, like, (laughs) a studio at one point. I just, like, I guess I I don't... I don't... Maybe it's a different time. I mean... I don't know, but... I mean, I, I don't... I can't see, like, that being, like, rough in it. So Andy is operating independently at this point, right? Where he is making breakfast by himself. He's watching the good guy show by himself. And um, he wakes his mom up and she doesn't even eat his breakfast. Not even out of pity. She says, I'll eat it later, which is code for I'm, I'm not, not eating, eating this. this. <laughs> and then they go to open up the presents and she's like, you want to open the big one or the small one first? He's like the big one because he wants to, he thinks it's a good guy doll. And she wraps clothes. What a freaking jerk this mom is. Knowing that he wants a good guy doll and putting clothes in a big box that's the size of the good the guy doll. The same size as a good guy doll box. Like, what a jerk. And he's... What mom in the right mind? And then she mind? gets him, like, a tool set that's meant to be accompanied by... It's like an accessory for the good the guy doll. accessories for the good guy, which is something, like, any parent would do being like no we can't afford the doll but i got you the stuff that goes with the doll it's like but you can't use the stuff without the doll mom have you ever seen jingle all the way yes against my will i'm turbo man (laughs) it reminds me of turbo man how hard it was for arnold to get turbo man anyway i was just like mom sucks and then mom goes to work and andy's like you know at daycare and the her friend is like, there's a peddler out back that has that doll you want. Well, Andy's mom works in like a department store yeah. too, which I'm assuming counter. is like on minimum wage. Yeah. So I have no idea how she's affording this very nice apartment. Um, her boss kind of a jerk, right? Yeah. Um, so I think this is very much Reagan era. Like, you gotta work. No, you gotta work. I don't I mean, care about I, your situation. Just, like, you gotta work. I put in my notes. I was like, a peddler in the back alley. I wouldn't trust it. And well, I wrote. She says thirty dollars is too much money. Mm-hmm. And I was like, 
at this at this moment in time well, mom like, mom is the one who is ready to pay fifty dollars for it it's her friend who's like you can't afford it and she's like i and you don't understand andy like really wants this but you gotta think about it hot these good guy dolls are a hot commodity these are like gold right you can't find them in a lot of places, especially in the winter time. It's I'm assuming that, it's near it's Christmas. It's not that she couldn't find it. It was that they could. She didn't have enough money saved up okay. to buy it. Okay. It I, wasn't. It was, I was under the impression that they were like sold out no, everywhere. It's that they are a hundred bucks, and she didn't have the money to do it. She said, "I I wish I could, but I didn't say save up for it." And Andy's okay with that, and Maggie's just like. Don't pay the fifty dollars. Maggie mom, is the friend. Yeah, yeah. But the mom did it anyway, and then mom ends up getting in trouble from her boss, and like she has to work over like overtime against her will, which we saw, talked about. That doesn't happen nowadays. Like if no someone way. calls off, <laughs> you can't do I that. Like, <laughs> I was like, if someone calls off, but my shift ends at five, I'm not staying till ten just because someone called off. You as the manager have to figure that out. Not me. I'm not. But staying. it was definitely. I would. I'm relating it back to the time period that it was made in 1988. This is you got to work Reagan era where it's like, no, you gotta, you gotta work. Why aren't you working right now? Where it's like very much everyone's got to work. You know, regardless of your situation. But like, thank goodness she has Maggie though, because she would didn't have childcare. She was allowed to go home, have cake with her son, and then go back to work. Mm-hmm. And Maggie is um, taking care of him. And I wrote in my notes, Aunt Maggie, you are in for it. <laughs> um, because but that Aunt Maggie scene is so good. So Maggie's, you know, like Andy's being weird with the doll and the news comes on. And um, well, she yeah, she gives Andy the doll. He, like, yeah, she gives Andy the doll. So now he has the doll. He's happy. He's playing with it. Maggie's like, OK, Andy. Like, it's time to go to bed, and she's, and Andy's like, um, Aunt Maggie, can Chucky wants you to turn on the, like, the 9 o'clock news. And she's like, sure he does. And she's like, it's time for you to go to bed. So she drags Chucky by the arm, and he's playing. The cardinal sin. In he's play, like, he's playing dead, like a doll. And she puts him in the, the bedroom with Andy and says, brush your teeth, blah, blah, blah. And then she's, like, doing, like, just her own thing. And she's kind of, like. She has the willies a little bit because he's like been talking to this doll. Andy. Andy's Andy's been talking to this doll. Weird, weird. No, Chuck. Can you imagine like how terrifying that would be? Like, okay. Did you talk to your toys? Yes. Oh, you talk to your toys. Yes. You probably scared the ever-loving crap out of your parents. My my dad actually thought I was endearing. He said, you talk to everything. And I find that endearing. Oh, man. With me, it would have been like. That freaking doll's possessed. It's out of here. Well, I used to talk to trees and leaves. That tree's possessed. It's out of here. <laughs> I used to talk to trees and leaves the and leaf rocks is, get and out. bugs and everything because I was a weird kid. But she's like spooked. And then she gets like the ever-loving Jesus scared out of her when the TV turns on to the 9 o'clock news. And it's just Chucky sitting and watching and Andy's nowhere near. And she grabs Chucky and she's like, what did I tell you? Don't do that. And she's like, what did I do? Because he honest to god doesn't know what he did wrong but cardinal sin in these chucky movies is like ragdolling chucky by the arm you know i like that that always means you about to die you never ragdoll chucky yeah. like that and so there's a sequence where the door creaks open there's like 
footstep noises and maggie's kind of like on edge and but you also get like a perspective because at this point we're not supposed to know if this is andy or this is chucky um or the doll is actually alive so we get like the like first person view of whatever it is running around but it's very small so it's still toying with that idea of is, is it Andy it, yeah. or is the doll alive? But this, I, this is the sequence where the suspense and like the the attempt of a jump scare with the phone call from the mom and the mom saying, "Are you sure you're okay? Because you sound kind of off on the phone." And then we get the Chucky pops out. Maggie doesn't get pushed or stabbed or anything. She just like she gets a hammer to the head. She gets a hammer to the head, and she falls out of the window. Which it looked like she flat out jumped yeah it looked like she was like <laughs> like really scared and she jumped and i said unlikely um she jumped out the window um so can i when can mom I bring up yeah. something um not just so i don't lose track because i do have it written down is when i we paused the movie last night to go you know play with kaido outside and i was telling you i think like Similar in in the discussion that we had with Halloween is this movie for the at least the first half of it does such a good job at building and building and building tension to a point where when you finally get to that point where Chucky reveals himself to be a living doll, it, it gets to the point where you get, you build up to this point and now it's it's like this is. It's happening. Yes. Like we are getting. The movie goes off the rails a little bit once Chucky reveals it's, himself. It's exactly like Halloween. Because once Michael kills the one time, like it's like boom, 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 boom. Like it waits until like two thirds into the movie and then the rest of the movie is really fast. Yeah. So. Because we'll get through the rest I of the think, movie like. I think my only. Well, I have two like gripes with the movie that i can think of and they're not big but i i wish they would have played around with is it andy or is it chucky for a little bit longer than they did um i thought that they revealed chucky to be a living doll a lot faster than i thought it would you know i didn't remember it being that fast but i talked to you about this too once you do it in this movie it's really hard to do it in the next few. Yeah. And I know that they try really hard in two and three, but it's like, how do you keep trying to play this game with the audience of, is it Andy or is the doll alive? When it's like, part of the reason I'm watching this fucking movie is because I, I know, know the that doll the doll is alive. alive. Yeah. And like, I, I want to see the doll. And so it goes into like the cops come and mom gets home and the cops are already there and they're talking to Andy and the cops really think Andy is the one who did it to a point where they say he's wearing his pajama sneakers. And I was like, what are pajama sneakers who wear sneakers to bed? Pajama sneakers. Cause they go with the whole ensemble. They go with the on but they said he's the, the sneakers are too small. And it's like, yeah, they're doll size. You absolute lunatics. Anyway, um, mom is mad at Andy because Andy keeps talking to the doll and Andy keeps saying Chucky did it. And I said, Andy 
Snitches get stitches. Oh, man. I wrote in my notes here. I said, oh, my gosh. Don't tattle, Andy. No one's going to believe him. No one's going to believe you. But I wrote in my notes here. Do you remember? I'm mean, going back, rewinding a minute to the, the Aunt Maggie scene, which I think is one of the best, like, tension building scenes in the movie. It, there's that moment where she sees the flower drop on the ground and the camera is framed where it's her in the foreground, but in the background you can see the open door frame with the Chucky doll sitting on like the top of the couch, but it's in the background. So it's kind of out of focus and it's her walking past the door frame to where you can't see the Chucky doll and you, she goes right back to the door frame. And it's like that half a second where you're like, that doll is going to be freaking gone by the time they get back. And we see it just not there in the foreground anymore, but the doll stays. Right. And so you mess with the audience to because a point we are where it's expecting like, yeah, that the doll is to move, but it exactly. doesn't. And it's so good. And it reminds me of Halloween. That yeah. is what it reminded me of. Like that's something that's some shit I would see in Halloween with Michael, like sitting up in the background. Like that's a trick out of John Carpenter's book. And um, I, I, I wrote down that I was impressed by um, Charles Lee Ray as Chucky. He does a really good job of like, and he's getting visibly upset that, come on, Chucky, like you gotta, like, they think I'm doing this. It's you, blah, blah, blah. And um, Charles is just able to manipulate this child. It's insane how good he is at manipulating children because... We see him do it later in the franchise to multiple different kids, too. He's very good with children, which is unfortunate. Weird. Well, uh, especially in the series, too. Like, he's actually, like, pretty good at talking with some of the kids and teenagers that he's with. It's just he's trying to influence them to do bad things. Yeah. Um, We get then the scene where Chucky convinces Andy to skip school. And Andy's taking the L by himself. And I, Anthony and I were oh, like... Oh, that was such a funny and we, scene. And we were like, this is like kind of dangerous. But then I said, well, I guess like Charles Lee Ray is an adult in the body of a doll. I was like, at least <laughs> he has an adult with him. I guess. I mean, and Charles could probably take care of Andy if anything was to go awry. And he doesn't want to get rid of Andy. He, no. Like, he needs Andy. He needs Andy because that's the patsy, my guy. But I, I thought it was... <laughs> kind of the funny visual of this like small child in a winter Coat. outfit <laughs> just like... holding this doll on the L in Chicago mm -hmm. and maybe it's because like I'm from Chicago that I'm like yeah I'm very much familiar with that scene <laughs> um <laughs> he takes Andy to like this bad neighborhood takes him to the bad neighborhood because they're looking for Eddie Caputo he's in like a, a crack house yeah, it's kind of in a, 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 a what do they call it? Rundown. Um, not rundown, but um, God, abandoned. What do they call building. Condone, condemned, condemned? Condemned. Yeah. Building. Gosh, I'm a dummy. So, um, he at least Charles Lee Ray does the smart thing while Andy's going to go pee. He sneaks away. Oh, we missed an important part. What did we miss? Because I have everything. So the mind. cop thinks. When he's talking to Andy, um, he leaves and then mom starts talking to Andy. And Andy says, Chucky 
did it. And they're like, the doll is a doll. Come on, Andy. And Andy says his name was Charles Lee Ray. He was sent from heaven by dad to, to like watch over me or whatever. So like he's told Andy his real name, Charles Lee Ray. And then he also says, uh, Aunt Maggie, she was a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and the mom gets really mad at him for that. Yeah. Because at this point, mom thinks that Andy is kind of responsible for this. Mom's like, what kind and of behavior? Like, like, and that he could have. Would you believe your that? son? Honestly, like, would you believe your son if this is what he was saying? Honestly, Anthony, I've seen Child's Play. If he told me a doll was doing it, I'd be like, we're getting fucking rid of this doll. We're chopping the head off. We're shooting it in the throwing in the fire. We're yeah, throwing it in the fire. I'm done. We'll get a new one. Get a new one. So your aunt Maggie is not a bit. So, uh, I, well, I think this is important because he, the mom has heard. Karen has heard um, the name Charles Lee Ray being spoken to her by Andy. But then when later on... It's on the on, news. It's on the news and shit. And, <laughs> sorry, but later on, when she's talking to the cop and the cop's like, yeah, I'm the guy who killed Charles Lee Ray. Nowhere in that scene does mom say, that's the, that's the name that my son said. <laughs> like no it takes them like a few minutes to put two and two together but like i don't know i feel like they had a missed opportunity there to be like hmm andy andy said that name for, this is the guy right and i think like that's of a, a plot hole but <laughs> <laughs> i digress Kaido. i like to think it's awesome that at least charles makes sure he ditches andy so Andy, yeah, doesn't so the goat doesn't go inside the house. Yes, because he starts messing with the um, gas. He starts messing with the gas, and we could have, like we said, I think we could have played the game a little bit longer. Of is the doll actually alive? More than we did, and I think even though Chucky doesn't necessarily reveal himself in the scene, we do see his like little hand mess, like turn the yeah the thing. So like we now we know the doll's alive. We know the doll's alive. Um, the Again, we play the, this place blows up. And I said, the gas wasn't running long like enough to blow up. an enormous explosion. Yeah, the gas wasn't running long enough for the explosion to happen. So then we pick up after the Caputo subplot with mom goes straight to, to the police station. She does not pick up Andy from school yet. To find out that Anthony... Um, Anthony. Oh my God, what? <laughs> I'm not in the movie. <laughs> to find out Andy is at the police station now getting questioned on whether or not he blew up Caputo's place, to which I say, how would he even know this guy? He said Charles Lee Ray was in the puppet, and they still don't believe him to the point where... At the point I'd be like, how does this kid know who Charles Lee Ray is? To the point where the police take him from his mother. Are they allowed to do that? And place him in a psychiatric facility. With, I, that, with definitely not allowed to do with that. With grown adults. Mom takes Chucky home herself, and at this point, she really is starting to believe her son, and she gets to the point where she's, like, yelling at the puppet. You tell me, blah, 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 you're alive, and she kind of just, like, laughs at herself, and then she goes and grabs the box. And what falls out of the box, Anthony? The batteries. The batteries. She realized this boy be talking for the past few days 
and he has no but batteries. But it's like that's the moment where, where mom's like, your heart just drops. Where mom's right? heart drops, she's like, uh-huh. my kid's telling the truth. And then she goes, holds the Chucky down, and she says, like you, I, you're gonna say something. Um, I know, like the batteries. I know you're. You can talk. She's like, you better talk now, or I'm gonna throw you into the fire. And then it reminded me. And then Chucky comes alive and is calling her obscenities and like bites you her. You stupid! You filthy! And I told Anthony, it reminds me of this song on TikTok where it's you ruined everything. You stupid bitch. <laughs> Basically what Chucky said. And it's said. like, you stupid, you feel like, uh, I'll kill you. And he's like, he tries to kill her. He tries to like, he he successfully bites her. He this, is, is, this is the best scene in the movie. And it's like a tussle between the two of them. Because, okay, so you have successfully, as a filmmaker, spent the first, I don't know, hour or so, 45 minutes to an hour of this movie building that tension and setting the stage for the doll to finally reveal itself so when chucky does reveal himself you're like oh holy crap yeah it scares you a little bit (laughs) like oh my god um chucky escapes the apartment building because he really doesn't care about the mom he doesn't really care about andy and he just wants to his list is cop who shot him voodoo guy that's who he wants to go see yeah. Can I mention very briefly yes. how cool it is that, like, how they got to film Chucky? So they used a mix of, like, puppetry and actors, children actors or uh, little person actors as well. Um, could you tell when it was an actor and when it was a puppet? Yeah, there's points where it's obviously like a kid in a mask. Mm -hmm. There are points where like it's definitely a puppet. Yeah, I think that they get. But I appreciate they work around it really well. I appreciate practical effects, Mm -hmm. like I really do. But I mean, this the times when it is a puppet or it is an animatronic or something, like it's really well done for 1988. Um, especially like. I think what's going to be really cool looking into this franchise is like the evolution of the puppetry yeah. and like the evolution of how the doll moves. Child's and- Play, it holds up. It's still, it's still I Yeah, good. this movie holds up so much. And listen, I told Brie this yesterday when we watched the movie. I'm like, there is so much going on in this movie. Like, can you, ex- can you even imagine trying to sell this movie for the oh first God. time i i remember we made fun of it we like the stefan segment on snl i was like this movie has everything serial killers possession voodoo dolls <laughs> voodoo like people so jumping it's out not of windows only, like children in adult sight wards <laughs> because i was like i was like <laughs> true um i was thinking about it and for the first half of this movie, I'm like, this movie follows the Halloween kind of formula of it's such a simple idea. What if a doll came to life and started terrorizing people? But you don't know if it's but Andy then we're or like, the doll. But now it's voodoo. But now once once the moment that Chucky revealed himself halfway through the movie, like the movie goes off the rails. Yeah. A little because bit. Because then and there's after, so much going after he on. escapes, he tries to like 
he he goes into the car of the cop and like almost kills the guy. Well, no, he goes and kills the voodoo guy. He does go and kill the voodoo, voodoo guy. Which I have to imagine that that scene it seemed like was added maybe at the last minute. Maybe because they he don't had really... to explain why he went after Andy to take Andy's But body. I don't even think we needed that explanation where it could have just been he wants a human body. Like that could have been a simple explanation, but we add this scene in where there. Where it needs to be not any and human's body, but the first human you revealed your identity to. You're establishing to. the rules to which yeah. I said they had to have known they were going to do more movies of this. They had to have known that they were going to get a sequel because how do you make a movie not knowing that you're going to make more of the same movie and then go and establish these very specific rules towards the voodoo that you're introducing in the movie unless you're going to use that down the line in the sequels too? Because why would you go through that much trouble of doing that for just one movie? But we get he he goes after the cop. He goes he kills the voodoo guy with and, a voodoo doll. which yes. it's like he said, "Don't tell your customers yeah. like where you keep your." I just think shit. like we didn't need an explanation of the voodoo, like how Chucky anyway, knows the voodoo. But we get more of that the, explanation in the show. Really, the voodoo guy is oh, isn't he alive enough to tell like the mom and the cop that he's going after the kid i think yeah and so then the they it's the race to the psych ward where chucky has already gotten there because this boy is fast he's fast which he is in the actually like he always is fast he's like, always pretty quick he's, he's like really fast yeah um he like is chasing andy all around so he's alive enough to tell the cop and the mom where he's headed. So we get Chucky fast, really fast, already at the psych ward, already chasing down Andy. Andy's grabbing a scalpel, but the people at the psych facility see him acting out and they try to take stuff away from him. And he's like, "You're Chucky's going to get you. And well, by gone, he does get him. But... <laughs> You took the scalpel away from Andy just to give it to Chucky, honestly. Yeah. Um, I feel like we get Chucky with a scalpel like pretty often in the franchise. I feel like we've seen multiple scenes and of like, Chucky with a Chucky, scalpel. And uh, like, it's a big chase for Andy. And then they get to the psych ward. They don't know where Andy is. We know that Chucky didn't get Andy. And Mom's like... Because he's trying to do the ritual, right? Yeah, he's trying to... do a dembella. And... So, well, mom's like, you know where Andy goes whenever he's in trouble? Home. Because that's where I tell him to go. Home. So now it's a race to get home before Chucky gets home. And Chucky obviously gets there first because he's like super fast. Um, How he, does he get Andy there? He knocks. Andy goes there. With him. No, Andy goes there. And oh, Chucky goes after gotcha. him. Gotcha. I gotcha. Chucky knocks him out with like a baseball <laughs> and starts performing the ritual. And it's like a race against time for par the parents the and the cops to get there. And they do get there. And they shoot Chucky. And he like flies across the room. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love when they shoot Chucky and he just like. And the face. Yeah. The face of like. The puppet going. The puppet like scrunching up his face in anger. And then like that Brad Dorif screech. Um, ch the blood like spurting out of Chucky. <laughs> it's like so iconic. I I've never seen like a movie villain like 
go through so much pain in that pain being well, iconic he in this scene because i'm not going to go over all of it because i don't remember the exact order in the scene he gets shot in the leg <laughs> yeah. shot in the arm well, burned alive burned alive shot in the head shot in the torso but not the heart because that's important so can we talk about like andy gets a um like cool one-liner moment in this movie <laughs> where um but Chucky is trapped in the fireplace and Andy's got the match and he's about to set Chucky on fire. And Chucky goes, I'm your friend till the end. And Andy's like, this is the end, friend. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, fuck you, Andy. Get but we end up with this like crispy, headless, like one arm, one leg thing crawling well, towards for, Well, at first he's just burned alive and he looks absolutely terrifying. Like the mix of the melted... Uh, like rubber plastic and like kind of the humanizing that Chucky has gone through as yeah, of that it's moment. Terrifying. Yeah. So he's like this hybrid of like a human doll that's been burned alive and is then getting like his head shot off and his arms shot off. So th this is where I think the movie in the franchise messes with the rules a little bit. And I pointed this out to you when we watched the movie. How much does it take to kill Chucky in this? It's just a shot to the heart, but he can get his head blown off, his legs blown off, his arm blown off. He can command his headless body to do his bidding. And, kill him, kill him all. But they eventually get him. Yeah, but I am thinking about the other Chucky movies from what I remember. And, I mean, Chucky... And it's this, like they never actually get him. No, no, no. It's that this movie, it's... um has establishes kind of a rule an unspoken rule it's not a specific rule they establish this kind of unwritten rule that chucky can't die unless his heart is destroyed mm -hmm. because like he's able to still be alive and cognizant even though he's been shot even though he's been burned his head is blown off and his body's still moving but you gotta go for the heart because chucky he has a human heart they, I don't think they ever do that in the next few movies because, like, Chucky just straight up gets, like, shot in the head in one movie, I think, and is, like, done. But if you're running with the rules that you established in the first he's movie, he done. shouldn't actually be done. I don't know. This is where I think they kind of get a little messy later in the franchise with the rules and not really following the rules. But I don't know. I'll tell you what Bree told me when uh i was complaining about this yesterday she said it's all fake who cares <laughs> how do you kill a vampire it doesn't matter they're doesn't not real fucking matter because they're not real you can kill a vampire any way you want right you can kill chucky any way you want it's not real this voodoo stuff not not real so mm. i guess my uh voodoo is real voodoo is real but in awe do a dembala not real yeah. um so i i is that it? Did we go through everything? Yeah, that's the that's movie. All right, cool. <laughs> well, okay, the cop friend comes in. Oh, that's funny. Where yeah. it's like, he's, they're not sure he's like 100% dead. And the cop friend's like, you guys are crazy. Until the Chucky doll like tries to rip out his throat. <laughs> and then we get the final shot to the heart. Yeah. I think, you know, I think we missed out talking a little bit about the Chucky, like the lore of Charles Lee Ray a little bit here because... We don't get much of the lore of Charles Lee Ray. we're supposed because to. Because we don't even... Okay, so they say 
this is ser- like they don't even establish that it's like he's a serial killer he's just like they, a bad no, they guy do. they call him the lakeview strangler lakeshore um, strangler or something like that okay but he has like friends so i it's usually serial killers work alone he is a he is an accomplice and they don't, they don't really talk about Charles Lee Ray, the person, again until Bride, I think, right? When they bring Tiffany in. Yeah, so, like, I'm confused as to what this is if because serial killers don't have, accom- like, don't have accomplices. Unless the accomplices are other serial killers, like the Hillside Stranglers, you know? Yeah. Not the Hillside Strangler, the uh, Golden State Murders. But, like... Caputo was like a low-level criminal. Yeah, not, they seemed almost like low-level criminals yeah, rather than not like this is like, a serial yeah, killer. Yeah, that's my only issue. And we don't really know much about Charlie's Lee Ray besides that. Well, and he knows voodoo, apparently. Yeah. Like, specific voodoo. So, I like that... I actually do like that we don't get a lot of Charles Lee Ray because it doesn't matter. Chucky's motives, Brie, like, they it doesn't matter. matter. What matters is... The doll is alive and it's killing people. Yes. Um, I thought the movie deviated a little bit when it switched from Andy's perspective to his mom's perspective halfway through the movie. Like, once the mom starts actually questioning Chucky, like, it switches from a movie that's about Andy to a movie that's about mom. Um, and I don't know if I completely dug that. I, uh... Don't know if it's handled the best way here, but I would, I think I, and maybe this is why I like the second one a lot too, from what I remember of it, is because I think that entire movie is Andy's perspective. So I, they might have fixed a mistake from the first movie of messing with perspectives, but I think that's something we would need to look a little bit into more when we do watch the second movie. Yeah. Um, Damn, there was one other, like, thing that I didn't like. Oh, the rule. Was I going to mention the rules? Yeah, you already yeah. mentioned the rules. No, I, I was thinking about some stuff that I didn't like. And there's not much, because I think this is... Even though this movie has... It's simple, but it also has so much going on. And I think it becomes a completely different movie in the second half, once we know Chucky is alive. And it's, like, very clear he revealed himself. But... By God, Brie, what a perfect movie. Yeah. A near perfect horror movie. On par. I Not on par. No, I shouldn't say that. Because nothing touches Halloween for me. But similar in like suspense building mm-hmm. and tension building that Halloween does. And I think I can appreciate it a lot for that. Anything else you'd like to add? Not that I can think. I would like to say... This makes it on my list. I was going to say the same thing. Um, I, I think, think this is one that goes on the list. Definitely, there's Maybe another. Maybe not the sequel. There's a there's an one sequel that I would put on this list. Is as it well. Bride? It is Bride. Yeah, I really Bride like, is so good. I really like Bride, but I really like the first one. So this does go on my top 100 movies. I can't of all wait till we get to the Chucky movies that really lean into the gayness. <laughs> like, it's it's because Don Mancini starts writing himself into these movies, and that's when the franchise really becomes like. Mm, this is such good shit, Brie. This is such good stuff. But um, I, I honestly think this is... It goes on the list for both of us, really. Yeah, I think this is a pretty legit, um, a very original, scary movie. And, and it's hard It's hard nowadays to do what horror franchises of the past did, which was make these like larger-than-life characters. I don't think we've had larger-than-life 
horror characters since the babadook no not even the babadook who because who is who even is i don't even know the babadook but think about the gay, last like, the last gay bit, icon the babadook yeah <laughs> think about the last like like scary creature that was creature? just creature that was just created. no we just keep going back to the right i was like to the, the OGs. Was, Scre- was scream the most recent it goes the ghost, ghost face, face aesthetic yeah yeah per, maybe ghost unless i'm face. thinking unless i'm forgetting something from it's because like the state of horror changes from the late 80s early 90s to more the real, 2000s. like more like realistic not so much like these creatures of po- the night well let's i mean if we're really gonna break down horror for a second here i'm not gonna spend a whole podcast on it but post 9 11 we started to get more like people it, are the terrifying thing. People are the terrifying thing. Home invasions, right? Torture movies. Um, and then we get into the 2010s where we were so fixated on ghosts and demons that it's like every horror movie was about possession or ghosts or demons. And now I think we're falling back into, we had so many good things in the seventies, eighties, early nineties, Let's go back to that, right? <laughs> yeah. So we get more Halloween, we get more Chucky, we get more um, uh, Predator, right, with Prey. We get all these n- things that we're now revisiting because it's like, w- let's take a good thing that's already established and let's tell a new story uh, with that property. Which is very cool when they do it with Chucky because, you know, as we're going to talk about the series a little later on... Um, Boy, that series is so good, mm-hmm. and it's so nice to see these characters again after we haven't been we haven't seen a lot of them in a long time. Like it was nice to get Tiffany again because last time we really saw her was uh, Seed of Chucky, and that was fifteen years ago. So it's nice sometimes, but the state of horror changes, and I think it's hard now to get. To create icons. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might be the state of media, too, but that's a conversation for another day. Shoot, Brie, are we done? We are done. And catch us. And, like, you have to be, like, willing to work with us a little bit. Because we, we're struggling with a good schedule for the Burr months. We do get married next month in October. We like, might be on more frequent breaks. We might breaks be breaking for more time because i'm definitely not recording a podcast the week before our wedding or the we really the week after (laughs) yeah i mean we can always try to pre-record pre-record but we're gonna be honest like once we're 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 both being run down by work and our wedding so be patient with us master's degree too i'm writing my thesis so so give me some time just just give us grace and space and understanding hell yeah Um, hell yeah Oh, what's uh? Do you have a favorite Chucky one-liner from this movie? I wrote. <laughs> Did you write anything? Down? I wrote down. Uh, Hi, I'm Chucky. Want to play? Oh, like the OG one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wrote when um he's in the elevator, and the two old people are in, also <laughs> yes, in the elevator, so and they're like, "What an ugly doll!" And you just see Chucky go up, and he's just like. Fuck you. <laughs> it's like so simple and it's so funny. But also, Charles Lee Ray does that in a, f- in a future episode yes. too where someone makes fun of like the way he looks and he's like, fuck you. He does that so much. I love that as the state of the franchise changes, so does like Chucky's mindset 
and like his perspective on life changes like, too. Well, he, you spend so many movies for him trying to get into a human body until he's like, "F this, I'll just be like, a doll." I'm cool with being a doll now. Yeah. Um, we wait for the doll acceptance to happen. Yeah, and that doesn't happen until Seed. I mean, it kind of happens a little bit in Bride, but definitely in Seed when. Uh, well, he has the choice. He has a choice, and he melts down and see. I like we're gonna get to the scene, but at the end he melts down. He's like, "No, I'm tired of hiding who I am. I am Chucky the Killer Doll." Like he accepts <laughs> it. He likes it's, be- it's a beautiful moment. Yeah, he likes to be the killer doll. Yeah, so. what well, that movie is so bonkers, bananas, bananas pajamas. pajamas that, um, like. The studio, and we're going to talk about this later, but the studio gave Don Mancini the note when they sent when he sent in the script. This is too gay. <laughs> <laughs> I would just like to uh, like shout out everyone for like sticking with us, accepting that we just skipped and and trashed the last Re- part of our calibrated. Um, so definitely keep up with us on Instagram at review underscore pod feel free to send all our hate meals to <laughs> review underscore pod review underscore pod one at gmail.com mm-hmm. you can follow anthony on twitter oh at uh <laughs> sorry i was looking at my phone um at gldtv1 um and to get a hold of me you need to find a voodoo master you need to get the magic amulet you need to. Did he have an amulet in this movie? It is revealed in a flashback <laughs> from a different movie that he had an amulet. Oh no! And it's the dangling amulet, on his neck. Amulet doesn't happen until Bride, right? Or am I wrong? You're wrong. Oh, okay. Um, you need to get an amulet, and then you need to do a chant. Don't and say the, these rules. And are it so will lightning up. down, and I will appear. Awe, due, Brie Bella. Who <laughs> <laughs> Brie Bella? <laughs> Give her to us. We beg of you. <laughs> Okay, why don't we cut it there? So, um, yeah, thanks for coming with us. Uh, next week will be Child's Play 2, Electric Boogaloo. Um, did you know the um, the tagline for Child's Play 2, Brie? Hmm? The tagline no, for the tag Child's line. Play 2. It was a poster of Chucky cutting the head off of like a jack-o'-lantern. Not a jack-o'-lantern, a jack-in-the-box. Um, and the tagline was, Chucky's back, jack awesome (laughs) (laughs) and on that note we'll see you next week with child's play 2 i'm brie and i'm anthony and this has been the review podcast the review podcast yeah